Viking. Welcome back to this, the greatest Tuesday you've had all year. What? It's time for the oh, True Wealth stupid, Radio Show. Stupid. I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn. With me, as always, Matt Dixon. You and know, there's some truth to that, David. That it has to be the best Tuesday you've had right. all year. Yeah. Come on, right. man. Come on. Are you uh, ready? Are you fired up for 2024? You no, know, I am. I am. I love the new year. I don't know why it like the date shouldn't be any different on the calendar, but there is, is it like something a fresh kind of, start. It to me, it's there are some things that align, like the fiscal year and the calendar year align, and so you you put a bow on last year's books and you start clean. And I'm like, yeah, I like that. Yeah, you know, it feels good. So um, I'm a fan, and here we go. Mm-hmm. Plus, you you know me, I'm a big guy about. Your goal setter. I like I like written goals. I've I've been pushing those for years. How'd you do with twenty twenty three goals? Um, surprisingly well. Were you over seventy five percent? You know, I'd have to pull it up to confirm, but I think okay. that's about right. Yeah. Uh, there hey. were a few things that surprised me, and some of the goals. It's interesting too because you can look at the goals on any given year, but if you like roll it back three years and look at it and say, "Oh, well, things that you missed, they still happen. They just lagged by six." It took months. a little bit longer than right. one year, sure. So that's the power, though. Oftentimes, is that the goal that you're you're seriously committed to, you even if you don't achieve it in the time frame, you may still yet achieve it because you're working towards that end, mm-hmm. right? And even if you're not necessarily actively working toward that end, it just works out that you keep doing the things. And uh, it, it, it's amazing how I'm convinced your subconscious is still working on things, mm-hmm. right? So what you think about versus what your mind is capable of thinking about. I think I, I did, did a, a talk one time. Your, your brain is capable of processing. This is a staggering number, by the way. About, uh, I want to say, four quadrillion data points per second. Wow. It's staggering. We are the supercomputer. Oh, uh, well, yeah. There are now computers that are more powerful than the human brain. However, on a wattage basis, nothing comes close. Like the human brain operates on about 20 watts of total bioelectricity. So you're like 20 Stop. watts, you can't run anything. Do like you that. know how like deep into the nerd zone you just went? Oh, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, wild. Yeah. Is that how we're starting 2024? Oh, I, I live in the nerd zone. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know. It's so true. Like you want obscure facts? Call David. I love He's got obscure a plethora. Facts. Of, are That's you good stuff. at Jeopardy or no. like... No, because no? Jeopardy okay. wants to know dates and names. That's not okay. the way my mind works. What about trivia? Just like, yep, random pieces of trivia. Yeah, and decent there. Yes, okay. or just full of goofy, obscure knowledge about a wide variety of subjects. Mm-hmm. You know, we get in. We have clientele of all walks of life. I'm constantly learning. It's super that is fun one of the really positive parts about the job. You yeah. meet with awesome people yes. from so many different backgrounds. Yes. So. So that part is super fun for me. And also just I have this tendency to I don't have a lot of things that I am permanently interested in. I, I tend to be episodic in hobbies, but I'll get into something and I'll kind of go down the rabbit hole until I'm satisfied with learning something. And then I'll move on to another thing to go down the rabbit mm-hmm. hole. So to me, it's just serial um string of hobbies to to take on i I don't have a lot of hobby time but i do a lot of research time so i love learning yeah so anyway 
first of the year. So do you did you have any uh, twenty twenty three goals and how did you do? Uh, I did, and I wrote them down somewhere. I got to go back and find them because now I'm curious. Did I actually achieve any of them, and what were they? Right. Yeah. So I got to go back and I got to go dig those up. You, uh, I somebody once told me that you should look at the goals regularly. Yeah, right? that's where and I so, fail. So what I did was I I print them on a sheet of paper and then laminate it, and then that's I pretty will serious. Pull it out and it sort of lives on my bathroom counter, and I'll just look at it every now and then and just do a. Quick it read. lives in your bathroom. Yep. Yeah, it lives on the left hand side of my sink. Are you lying? No, I'm so you can go there right now, and that is where it's sitting. <laughs> that is so great. Yeah, no, I have to make a new one for 2024. So most I'm going people like read process. a magazine or death scroll on their phone. David's staring at a laminated sheet of goals. <laughs> That's the guy you want as your financial advisor, right there. Hey, yeah, yeah, it really is. Like that's some determination. Well, there's fun. So first of the year, one of the things too is. I like to do projections for the year. Right? Like market projections. Market projections. Yeah. Last year, uh, and they're usually out, but they'll be out by the end of this week, right? I always can, make sure that I get them out. Is there anywhere the like people can access these? So in... they actually are on our webpage. They are? Okay. Yeah. I didn't now, know that. I, I will. I'll post it. Uh, of course, you know, it's worth the paper it's written on. And if it's digital, it's worth even less. But uh, I will, I'll post it in the blog. And I'll and I'll do the the 2024 projections coming up here. Nice. Uh, but did get started on it, and it's interesting to try to get a sense of where this market is going. It it does not look calamitous so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it it does suggest that we could have a first half of the year that may be a little bit of a struggle if we have um, the, the earnings contraction. Right. Right. And and this data is really hard to game because the reality is that you can find whatever data you want to make a case for whatever you want mm-hmm. right you can say oh well the the, the data is it's it's falsified you know we're cooking the books everything's terrible or you can find it says nope people are reading this way more uh, pessimistic than they should there's a ton of green shoots and you should be excited about this so you find whatever you're looking for and and i tried to not do that instead i try to look at what the market is offering and say well what's the scenario that makes sense mm-hmm. and the the scenario that is the working theory in my mind is during an election year people in positions of power have a vested interest in staying in power right and since this is for the biden administration a, a potential second term mm-hmm. right so it's a it's not a midtermer for the presidential cycle right but it is a renewal term so they're going to want to really paint a rosy picture well one of i I see one of two scenarios right either the picture is very rosy Mm -hmm. where hey look at all the things that are great you should not change course because look how great it is or it's the opposite which is look at all the things that are going on in the world it's so complex right now that it would be risky to change right it it's weird to me to think that we're coming up on that election year, right? Yes. Like it's it's very weird. No, we're in the election year. Right well, now. I guess yeah. The right? calendar November. has changed. That's yeah. coming up quick. We're yeah. not in 2023. We are in 2024. So it's coming up really soon. Yes, we, it, we will know now. In less than 12 months, we will have new leadership picked out. Mm-hmm. Now, we get really nasty in a hurry about 
the opinions on how it's being picked and whether or not the, that sanctity is there or not, right? And frankly, you know, if you're the person that shakes your fist at either of those really hard, you know, you're the person that says it's totally perfect and it's, you know, anybody who says otherwise, like, okay, well, then I know which, uh, which team you have picked already. Mm-hmm. Right. And for the person that also insists, no, it's completely a catastrophe and uh, it's never going to be fair. And rah, rah, like, OK, I know your team. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because because basically those are polarizing issues. You know, now, if you are of the team that says, I, I don't know, not everything looks as straightforward as people want to tell me it is. OK, then you're probably in my camp where you go, huh. You know, at some point you find yourself going, um. I'm okay with confirming that things are above board. And, I'll just yeah. leave it at that, right? Because they're just things that still to me, I scratch my head and go, how do you get the highest number of votes of all time? Mm-hmm. Right? In And then have the lowest popularity of all time. Yeah, like, there's a couple things, things that, that just don't add up. To me and I'm like, um, you know, you want to explain that to me in a way that makes sense? I'll listen. <laughs> I'm waiting. All right, I'll listen. But I don't think it's super constructive to attack the system, right? Right. I mean, like, because largely uh, I don't believe that conspiracies exist on a broad scale. Mm-hmm. I think that if they exist, they probably exist in very small, tight circles that are very hard to locate and prove. Because, you know, I'll put it this way. My own HOA, we can't get organized to, like, get a work day just to, like, put weed killer on the lawn or something. Uh, That's a joke because, I mean, well, the whole HOA won't do it. The people that are invested will, right? But it's how are you going to get the whole country to do that, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, you kind of mentioned it briefly, talking about we're going into this election year. It's in... For the people that are in power and want to stay in power, it's in their oh, yeah. best interest to make things look as good as possible, sure. you know, between now and November. But do you, are do people really have amnesia to the point to where they can't remember the last three years? Yes, I think they do. No, that that is just like the they, answer. I, yes, they, they just do. look at it. Are people just looking at what's in front of them right now and saying, "Well, things are good. I guess we should just stick with what we've got." Yes. Yeah, that's the sad part. Well, like, it's we're not gonna, even right now. Right now isn't what matters. It's, what's going to matter what is, is like thing, the last thirty days. Mm-hmm. Because if you and I bring this up because I don't want people to forget the last three years. Like people will. I promise you, right now, people have already forgotten mask mandates and things like that. They have just it's not like, in their mind. You can't forget the inflation we've had to deal with. Oh, that it will be explained away as somebody else's fault. Yeah, we right? can't Inflated. forget about the debt that's ballooned. There, like there's, there's, there's so a, many things we can't forget the about. The beauty of it is there's so many. The, both the beauty and the tragedy of the system is there's so many moving parts that you can always shift the blame somewhere else. And again, because of the beauty of confirmation bias, you can convince yourself you're right. Like. It's easy to blame somebody else by saying, well, look at these contributing factors. Clearly, it must be whether it is Mm -hmm. recent. Yeah, but there's just been so many things. Like, look at how the whole deal played out in Afghanistan, right? Like, we don't talk about Bruno. Yeah, right. Like, just (laughs) can we just pull up the list, right? Well, let's forgive student loan debt, but only for certain groups that uh, 
I will tell you. The, here's the beauty of this show, right? Matt makes no secret about his political no. affiliation. I'll right? throw rocks all day. Yeah. So I, I've always felt like my job is to to try to not be super partisan, although, uh, which means I'm not party affiliated. I mean, I'm registered. I'm not going to go in there, right? But, you know, it's nice to at least get to vote in the primaries. Well, but, I'll throw shade at everyone. Like, well, yeah, I will for yeah, sure at this like, point. Yeah, like let's go back and look at all of the money that we started forking over during COVID. That happened during Trump. Yes, it did. That was the tipping point where it's like, well, people gosh, don't what talk are we about? No, they don't. I mean, well, we don't want to go back to the the first radical escalation in government spending was the. Uh, the George W. era, yeah, where going into post 9-11 and then in the 2008 market collapse, massive government expenditures. And then the Obama administration said, hold my beer, mm-hmm. right, and doubled it. Right? right. And everybody thought, oh, that can't possibly happen. And then the Trump administration showed up and actually outpaced the Obama administration. And yeah. nobody wanted to talk about that on the conservative side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. And then the Biden administration shows up in the middle of COVID and says, we could write whatever check we want because nobody's going to say anything other than make it stop. Right. Right. And so the amount of money that has been spent is beyond staggering. I'm just telling you, folks, if you're listening to the show, like you just don't get how big the number is. Like it just it does not compute until you see like how much a trillion dollars is and then realize like <laughs> yeah we got trillions of dollars like and it's exceeding our gdp right now like with 37 trillion or something that something outlandish right it's just staggering you don't get it this is the way i look at it i'll throw i'll throw rocks at everyone like go back to bush no child left behind Disaster. ruined education yes ruined it yes you look at obama ruined health care right yeah i mean trump like him love him don't like him at all, whatever. Sure, we probably shouldn't have printed a bunch of money and handed it out during COVID. Not a great idea. But you look at the last yeah. three years. I could go through so many I'll, different. I'll throw more rocks. It'll be fun. But yeah, before, uh, we got to take a break. We're running long, so we'll do that when we come back. More rocks throwing? Is that what I want to throw a lot of them. Okay, Matt wants to throw rocks. We'll throw some rocks. Get and out the we'll, slingshot. We'll, we'll find finance somewhere in there. Stick around. This yeah. is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Well. On News Radio 939 FM and 1240. KQEM. I just don't say something so bad that they shut the servers off on us. You know, that's my goal today. <laughs> no! Get us get us canceled. That's where <laughs> no, I'm going. No, terrible <laughs> idea. Hey, welcome back to the True Well Show. Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And uh, happy 2024. Uh, if you're just getting caught up, remember, podcast is available. Go to our webpage where you can get all kinds of fabulous information, and you can see my face for radio and Matt's face for TV. There we go. So littlejohnfs.com. <laughs> uh, anyhow, we are... I guess we got into the throwing rocks thing, mm-hmm. which this turned into less about the finance show than it did the uh, global or show. U.S. economics, maybe uh, a I little bit it's of a everything. Stretch. It's sure. a stretch because uh, in the end, it it just drives people nuts to think, well, how the election goes or how the economy goes somehow determines how the market goes. Mm-hmm. And while there is correlation. Uh, the causation is not 100% linked. And so no. you can have a great economy and a terrible market and vice versa. And you can have 
different. I mean, this this like skews people a lot. Oftentimes, the administrations where the markets go up the most. Um, you know, we're in a conservative area. It's oftentimes progressive administrations that drive markets higher. And then somebody stomps up and down and says, that's because of all the excess spending. You know, if you put it all on a credit card, of course it looks like, you know, <laughs> and it's true, right? right? I mean, if you, there's a reason everybody spends regardless of which side of the aisle. And because and, we don't know how big the system can get before it fails. Right. And I think sometimes we give politicians way too much credit for the way that the economy is moving. Yeah. Like well, the economy is bigger the than a person. The of spending, right? Yeah. Most politicians aren't looking at the budget and thinking, we better figure this out. Most of them are saying, I better figure out how to make sure my constituents are happy enough to reelect me. That's the big one. You know, and so they're worried about their little piece of the pie, but the rest of the pie is irrelevant to them as long as they can get reelected. Mm hmm. So. You know, and maybe that's a jaded position on it, but it is a consideration because you have to be in po politics long enough to get onto the committees that can influence things. You can't just be a one and one term and out person. You don't make any. You don't headway. make any. Yeah, you don't make progress in that short of a period of time. Yeah, which means there's going to be compromise. And of course, the reality is that we are, we still think that our elected officials are making the government go here's a weird way to think about it right it takes a really long time to fix problems but it doesn't take very long to create them and that's the big problem that we've got yeah. in well, the capital it seems like our political class is very good at creating more government spending but very yeah. bad at reducing it yeah big right? big checks that we write big oversweeping policies that break stuff well, or big policies because it, for a moment in time it makes everybody feel like it's the right thing. I mean, I look back and the frustrations that came with the Patriot Act, as well intended as it may have been, it's mm -hmm. just like the no child left behind. The act sounds so good. Right. I would never want to leave a child behind. How could you say something wrong with that? Say, well, because the devil's in the details. It's a marketing name, mm -hmm. but what it's doing wasn't good. Right. Right. I know what we'll do. Let's just lower the bar until everybody can clear it. But let's also lower the access so that nobody can make any what it really could be named is no child gets ahead. There you go. That's better. Right. I mean, that's exactly that's kind what, of it, what did. it says. Yeah. Like no child gets ahead. OK, well, then no child gets left behind either because nobody's going anywhere. Mm hmm. Right. And, and, you know, the Patriot Act. Well, we better make sure that the financial system's capable of tracking all of the things. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, we've completely rendered parts of it less effective by what we've done. And mm -hmm. so, you know, the, the the woes of unintended consequence when you get really heavy handed with policy. Uh, you know, I had to explain this to somebody today. It's like, well, why can't financial advice be cheaper? Right. <laughs> and and the answer is because it costs money to comply with all the rules to provide the advice in the first place. Right, the red tape. There is a cost to that red tape. Significant sunk cost just to be active. I mean, active in look the at industry. our software costs, right? Like, yeah. it's not cheap. Yeah, I mean, like thousands of dollars in subscriptions per month. Mm -hmm. Thousands of yeah. dollars. And, and folks are like, seriously? It's like, yes, seriously. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's a significant capital outlay. And that's also to save money on payroll, which is also. A significant capital outlay for companies. Mm -hmm. So, but we digress. Now we really are throwing rocks at everything, aren't we? I like it. What a great way to start 2024. I didn't Just want to, the, I 
not in the rock throwing. Just mood. a I'm little, like, just a little bitter and a few rocks. But you know, we could spin this show in another direction, David, and we I'm could listening. talk. <laughs> we could talk about how the markets are basically at all time highs. And on these radio shows, we're often giving advice and trying to coach people through the tough times, right? Like right. markets are sour. Be patient. We talk about that. We talk about you know so many things about when the markets are struggling. What about when the markets are thriving? Maybe talking about some advice for listeners who are investors and want to be wise when markets are hot. All right. So first and foremost, uh, yeah, I think that's an interesting idea because markets are near all-time highs. Right. right. Now. They, they're not actually – they haven't technically broken no. above, but, but they're, they're, they're very close. They're sniffing it. Yeah, they're very close. Uh, whether or not they get there well, it remains to be seen, mm -hmm. right? But anyhow – what do you do in these periods when the markets are they're high and the, the question is will they keep going right so the first question i got to ask you is uh, are you an investor mm -hmm. or are you a trader well let's play the role of the investor because traders are less i feel like they're less uh, successful well, than I, the investor I, I will make it easier too I will play the role of investor because I feel like trading is a job in and of itself. Right. You basically, that's not what we. That's stuff. not what we're you doing. You are here. just dealing with trying to move in and out of the markets and make tiny little profits over and over and over again to add up to something more significant. Where the investor is not interested in the the, the day to day, peddling, if you right. will, to, to to burn the calories. They're saying, "I want to get in the boat and go downstream." Mm -hmm. So, okay. First thing first is in order to be an investor, you need to be invested. That's a tough one for some people. Yeah. That, Th sounds that sounds hard. And it sounds weird to say that, but yep. some people want to sit on the sidelines and still make money. Yep. And, and paralysis analysis or waiting for the perfect entry. What I will tell you is when it comes to investing, perfect is the enemy of good. Mm -hmm. Right. That the, the, the perfect entry and exit point, usually you will see them after the fact. You will not experience them unless you are just lucky right. right like it's it's i don't know people that consistently reproduce that some of the best traders in the world still don't reproduce that they are trying to get the meat of trends they're mm -hmm. not trying to get the very bottom and the very top of a trend it's just statistically so 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 improbable with the number of players out there and the amount of uh activity that's going on so instead think as an investor, I need to be invested. Mm -hmm. Now, the question is, invested in what? Okay, That's a great question. This, to me, is one of the key points. I think that investors often make the mistake of thinking that, you know, once they buy something, they, they kind of get into the headspace of, I own this thing, and therefore it becomes sacred. I, I, I cannot sell it until it hits a certain price. Or if it's down, I can't sell it until it recovers. It's a dangerous position because folks begin to anchor to a price that they have already experienced. Well, and then you got the person that wants to anchor to the one thing that they know, and that's all they want to invest in, right? Like you've got the person that says, I only invest in real estate, or I only buy a bank CD. There are those people out there too that or the person that says, I'm just going to own Apple stock, right? Like, I know yeah. someone that says that. My entire retirement savings is in Apple stock. Yeah. And I'm like... And so each of those 
is a different way to view risk. Mm -hmm. Okay, in fact, that's an interesting one for investors. I think that we could all, you know, we start with to be an investor, you need to be invested. Then you need to decide how you're going to manage risk. Mm -hmm. Okay, now. How you manage risk? There's really three things you can do with risk. Okay, is it easy as one, two, three? So it is as easy as one, two, three. And after the break, I'll tell you what the three things are. <laughs> okay, right. I can handle that. So I can let you take one obscene profit break. We'll take an obscene profit break. You know, the second of 2024. I don't can't plan to count them for the year. Uh, but when <laughs> we're we on turn. I will talk about the three things that you can do as an investor to manage risk. Okay. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. No, you can't even say that. Do you know what kind of Christmas junkie I am? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, like, we'll, we'll count the number of trees we can put in the office. It'll be epic. 15. Yeah. Welcome back to the True Wealth Show, where. You're missing the commentary in between the breaks, and a lot of banter. Not missing it uh, at all. Uh, suffice it to say that uh, we had Jan on on our our team who was wanting to throw away green Christmas ornaments, and I said, "But what if we get another tree next year?" And she was like, "Well." You know what are you saying? And I'm like, well, what if we put a tree in every person's office? And Matt and I went off on a tangent. About, We're as, just going to need lots of trees. For as much as Jan likes to pinch pennies, I can't believe she'd want to throw something away that's still in good working order. <laughs> that just breaks my brain. Oh, she's very good about decluttering. Is she? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, her place is she's spotless. Minimalist. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, anyway, uh, hey, when we left our heroes at the break, right? What what were we going to talk about? We, we were talking about. Uh, as an investor, mm -hmm. right? That you said, what do you do when markets are at all time highs? Right. And one of the things is investors need to be invested, mm -hmm. right? It's, if you're not in the markets, you got a problem. Now, a lot of people, if you're out of the market now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you get right back in at all time highs, but you do need a strategy for how to get back in and what are the rules of engagement? Because what if the market just keeps going even higher? You're going to stand there and watch that train shrink into the, onto the horizon, right? Away it goes without you. Right. So the question is, what were the rules that got you out? And then what are the rules that get you back in? That's a tough one because, I mean, a lot of people went to, you know, fixed income, for example, mm -hmm. when the rates went up and then the market soared. And there's got to be that person out there that's like, gosh, dang it, I just missed a 20% run in the markets. And then they get tempted to get back in after they might have pulled their money at a low point. That's a tricky tricky it's, spot. It's very tricky, which is why I recommend that you establish the rules before you get there. Mm -hmm. Right? It's um, successful traders, and this is what you've become if you start moving you in and out of your investments. traders, yeah. Right? Successful traders track or journal often what they are doing to develop discipline around it. They and, learn from their moves. Right. Okay? But at this point, if you're an accidental trader because you've made a decision to get out of the markets, what I recommend is that you determine what is the decision for re-entering the markets. Mm -hmm. Okay, And if you don't have a great decision, I don't know that I have one for you because it's going to be unique to each person depending on your time horizon. And so that's one of those where I would say, see me after class and just give us a call at the office and we'll try to help you. 541-375-0898. Okay? And the best part is Matt loves it when I give an opportunity to oh, plug the, on the show. because. 
I'm I'm less. Um, you know why, direct. David? You know why? I like Dude, talking no. with I like talking with people. So oh. if people are like, you know what, this guy's inviting me to call, and you call, I'm gonna enjoy that because I like to chat. So it's true that Matt is he's not shy. No, call me. Uh, and and you know there are strategies for you out there, right? We we can discuss ways you can get back into the market if you're sidelined, but you want to be back in, but you don't want to necessarily um, have the risk of just or jump jumping on a, yeah. without looking where you're leaping. Mm-hmm. So so we can help you with that, but but Matt's right. Just call us five four one three seven five zero eight nine eight. The next thing that we want to talk about as investors. So you're in the markets, let's say, but you're trying to assess. Well, what's going on? And the markets feel risky at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about risk. Okay. Okay. So do you understand the kinds of risks that you're taking as an investor? Right. And I said the whole easy is one, two, three, the, well, how we assess and, and risk. So yeah. it's funny. How do we assess risk? Because I tell people all the time there's only three things you can do when it comes to investment risk. They are. Number one. Manage it. Manage it. Okay. Number two. Transfer it. Okay. Number three. Ignore it. Let's not ignore it yeah, because that's really something. Just, it's really just bad management, right? right? Ignoring it doesn't make it go away. It's just I'm managing still, it by not doing it, right? You know, it's so, kind of like bad lawn mowing is not mowing the lawn, right? It's like oh, I'm managing it. It's just kind of doing its own thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then the city's giving you a letter saying you got to cut this down. <laughs> exactly. It's like I think that that's a colony getting started there. Uh, so, so manage it or transfer manage it. Manage it or transfer it. Now, what, what is it? Management means that you're going to take on the role of investment decisions to affect how much risk you have. Maybe you're going to change your allocation in different investment types. Mm-hmm. So you may be shifting around between asset classes like stocks and bonds. You may be changing how much you own or what you own in different investments, mutual funds and so forth. So you're sort of rearranging the holdings that you have as an investor in order to manage the risk exposure you have. Okay. All right. The other would be transferring. What do I mean by transferring risk? Well, you can let someone else manage stuff and then they're the ones that are kind of dealing with it on a a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And you can either do that through turn the decisions over to someone else and trust them to handle Mm -hmm. it. That's something like our firm often does for people. But you could also transfer risk away by just accepting less potential return, right? Well, like, you, you could move into fixed guaranteed assets. Right, you could, and like so an insurance type product. Right, yeah. well, the, the, the key term, air quotes, guarantee, right? Guaranteed mm-hmm. by whom? You could buy federally insured investments like CDs. You could mm-hmm. buy federally issued investments like treasuries and bonds. Right. Right. You so, could buy yeah. corporate bonds, but those are not necessarily FDIC insurance, right? Right now, you're you're talking about their market instruments, and all of these have different forms of risk associated, right? Uh, you could go to an insurance company, and the insurance company will take on the risk on your behalf, and in exchange, they will insure your investments, mm-hmm. and they will guarantee some form of return, right? Right. So all of those are options to transfer risk to a third party. The, the question is, which is appropriate for you? Mm-hmm. Right? And there are circumstances where all of those investments have their place. Right? So that, that really is the question. I mean, do you, do you understand the risks that you're willing to bear? Uh, the, the biggest one most of the time is time. Mm-hmm. Right? How long, if you invest in something that's uh, high volatility and the market drops, how long can you hold your breath for the market to recover? 
mm-hmm. without having to touch the investment funds. That's the biggest one is time. Yeah, time is probably the number one because a- attitude is is close to that one, right? If you just can't leave something alone when it's down, it's like, well, I, I could wait. I just won't. I'll go tinker with it if the mm-hmm. price falls. Okay, well, then we have a different set of problems, I right? Feel like- I just panic and I'll, I'll make irrational moves when the markets are down and harm myself then we probably need to protect you from you. I feel like the most frustrated investor is the person who doesn't actually know their time horizon for the investment, right? Because they don't know where to be. Like if you don't know how long you want to be invested, now you're going to have a really hard time picking the right product for you because you don't know. I think another thing that's hard for folks is when you're educated just enough to be dangerous, but not enough to know what you're doing. Yeah. Right. A a dangerous position for an investor is somebody that walks in and says, well, I want to make lots of money, but I don't want to take any risks. That'd be like me trying to work on my truck. I know enough to get everything apart, (laughs) but I don't know enough to get it back together correctly. (laughs) Uh, Right. Yeah. All right. Quick to YouTube. Go. (laughs) Matt, you did such an awesome job disassembling everything. Now what are you going to do? Crud, I can't get it to the mechanic. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, the the that is a danger of, it's harder to disassemble your investments, but I think. No, uh, that's people, the easy part. You just sell it all off, and then you're like, okay, it's in well, cash. Now what do I do? <laughs> yeah, and, and we, we have seen that, or folks that just, you know, well, I just kind of pick some random stuff and, and hope it works out. Uh, but you know I'm not wrong. I mean, you've seen it. People are like, oh, I know what to do. We're going to sell stuff, and we're going to sit in cash, and we're going to look really smart doing it. And it's like, that can work. But if the market runs away from you, yeah, and you just lost out on a 20%. It's less <laughs> hard to get out of the market than it is to get back in. Right. I, I, I mean, I think that there's both. There's there's an expression, you know, what's your buy side discipline? What's your sell side discipline? Mm-hmm. Because and that means the buy side is one side of the transaction. The sell is the other side. Right. Right. The sell is the easy part. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people will try to deal with risk through uh, unorthodox ways. Right. You, you mentioned a few of these, Matt. Um, let's do this. Let's lay these out here right before this next break. OK. One of them, you said you had uh, some folks, you know, that they only buy real estate. Yep. Okay. Folks that only buy bank products. Mm-hmm. Okay. Folks that own, like, like they put basically everything in Apple. Right. Right. Okay. So there, there are a number of things that people will do for how they manage their investments. I want to talk about some of those risks specifically and then how all of our listeners out here, how you can, since the beginning of the year, great time to kind of review and refresh what you're doing with your investments. But let's do this. Let's grab our last break. When we come back, we're going to unpack those three specific scenarios. And I'm going to talk a little bit about just stuff to put on the table for your own discussions. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Well on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. Pivot back. Okay. Pivot back. back. On, we're back on track, Matt. Right? Okay. We're back on track. Okay. Yeah. With me, you're with me? You're focused? We were talking about risk. We were talking well, about risk. three different examples. Three different examples of risk. <laughs> exactly. Grab the podcast to get caught up. Remember, littlejohnfs.com. That's all the good stuff on our website. I really hope there's bloopers somewhere of behind the scenes <laughs> when the when the radio show certain things goes I to just, break. we got to have full context. You cannot take that one out of context. No. Okay. Uh, all right. So the, the three specifics, and I want to talk about these risks because I think once we I, I help people identify it, then- uh, you can avoid it. So one of them is investing only in real estate. Yep. Another was 
investing only in bank products, and then the third one was investing only in Apple. Okay, sure. So, so let's talk about real estate for a second. What are some of the risks associated with being a, a exclusively real estate investor? Uh, I think the most often looked one would probably be liquidity. Everyone yeah. thinks that I'm going to buy it and just turn around and sell it for what I bought it for or more. And I'm like, pump the brakes because did you forget 2008? Yeah, and, and I don't even use 2008 as a... Uh, a normal yardstick. I mean, I think real estate is a fantastic investment. It's got a lot of uh, favorable tax uh, components to it. And so I'm not hating on real estate. Oh, no. All, right. But uh, like you got you got to know the risks, too. Well, and, and when you think about liquidity, there's some people going, well, you could always, you know, get an equity line. So it depends. Right. Because mm -hmm. now you've got banking and the, the, the issue is speed oftentimes. Mm -hmm. right? Like if you want to sell it and get rid of it, you got to yeah. find a buyer. And, and the experienced real estate investor may have enough property that there's some established lines of credit for liquidity. And so there are ways that you can do some accommodating. Right. Or but, if you have, a, like you said, enough pieces of real estate, you could hold on to one if you had to and sell another one like right. you have options and so you, you so you it's it's i'm not saying it's impossible what i'm saying is you need to understand that you have concentration risk by sector and you have liquidity risk that these things don't necessarily turn over quickly mm -hmm. right it's not like an exchange where these things are easy to move in and out of some easier than others right right but not all property is easily liquidated Nope. And you oftentimes have financial institutions involved in the transactions. So you got more third parties. That's more complexity. That means it moves slower well, and costs more. Well, and real estate is not nearly as passive as the stock market either, right? True. Because you got to have boots on the ground. You're refinishing floors. You're painting, roofing. Yeah, you're doing the work. You're doing the work, right? Well, in many cases. I mean, yeah. or you've got people that are doing the work. But it's just, it, it's, a, it's a, a type of a business. Right. There's expenses. Yeah. So just consider that. Now okay. let's talk about bank products. Okay. Okay. What is one of the primary risks in bank products? Well, I mean, I guess the bank could collapse, but yeah, I mean there is some risk. It's FDIC that's insured. That's pretty low right? on the. And so assuming yeah. that you do not exceed the coverage of your FDIC. I think limits. one of the biggest risks, though, would probably be you like your opportunity cost. Like if you could go invest that money somewhere else and get a higher rate of return, because the banks aren't going to offer you necessarily a ton of interest. I also think that one of the, the biggies is purchasing power risk, mm -hmm. right? Rarely do banks have instruments that radically exceed inflation. Right. And sometimes they want to lock up your money. Well, most of the time. Right. They want to lock up your money. Uh, you know, savings accounts are, are seldom going to outpace inflation by definition because they're going to have liquidity. CDs, it just depends on, but, but it, there's there's moving parts to it, but but rarely do banks offer significant outperformance against inflation. Right. I'm not going to say it never happens. I'm just saying rarely does it happen. Right. Mm -hmm. You also need some some good timing, like lock something in and then have rates fall. Oh, okay. Well, then that works out pretty well for you. But uh, that has not been the case recently. Uh, you know, rates have been on the rise. First time in you know more than a decade. But you get the idea. Right. right. This last one really pretty obvious to me, but we're still going to talk about it. The investor that puts everything in Apple, mm -hmm. okay, or Google, or Google, any, or any one particular stock. One particular stock. So, what's the big risk? Failure. Yeah, right. Concentration like, risk. Right? Yeah, it's all or nothing. Yeah. What if that right. company fails or and, doesn't have a good multiple-year sales well, and, record, and, and their the stock thing. gets? The stocks go through cycles. 
right? It can be a great company. Like Apple sometimes goes down significantly and then it recovers. And well, it's, it's and easy what if to you say put at an all time high, like, look how smart I am mm-hmm. until you're not because you're not diversified. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and how many times have we seen a particular company just disappear, right? Because mm-hmm. they go out of business. We've seen a lot of companies go out of business. Well, the old piece of advice that I've heard many times is if you want to get rich, concentrate. But if you want to stay rich, diversify. Mm. Right. And so that's why I would say not a tremendous retirement strategy to be that concentrated, high risk. And what happens if something goes wrong and you are unretired? That's a big one. Right. So that's the kind of risk that management that we're talking about here is that there are it's not just managing the stock. It's managing the other circumstances around you owning that stock. Mm -hmm. Right. That's that's one of the the challenges of uh, adding financial planning into the the mix of your investments. Right. Okay. So in the last few minutes, as we think about what are things that investors can do, okay, mm-hmm. between now and year end, how year end, between now and since the year just ended, one, I think it's a good time to take a look at what your investments did. Okay. Yeah. Now that is just a calendar date, right? The fact that we just finished a calendar year to me, doesn't mean a whole lot because if you started investing in March and then you measure in March, it's 12 months, right? Mm-hmm. The markets are going to move and they're, they're, they're not consistent, right? It's sort of spits and starts. It'll, it'll get going, then it'll pull back and it'll get going again. It'll pull back. So you're going to get sort of yarded around as an investor. So I don't know that a one-year look back is necessarily a great way to do this because 2023 looks okay. Yeah, but right? if you... Do a two-year look back between 2022 and 2023. You're probably pretty flat. Yeah, because 22 was terrible. Mm-hmm. 23 was a really strong fourth quarter, right? Started okay. The middle of it was pretty soft. Really strong fourth quarter to finish positive. Uh, the the major U.S. indexes finished higher. S and P and the Nasdaq did really well because they were tech heavy. So tech ruined everything in 22 and tech saved the day in 2023 right 2021 everything did pretty well it was still tech that led the way again so i feel like basically you've been on a a wild ride because the tech industry goes big up and big down and big up and big down and the rest of the market seems to just kind of claw its way through Mm -hmm. right i mean our the, the the dividend investments we did last year kind of a meh year. I mean, they yeah. definitely underperformed the S&P as an index, but they kind of peer, oh. peer to outperformed other invest in other dividend stocks. Right. You know, we have a, a model that's specifically built around sort of low volatility. It did pretty well compared to its peers. Yeah. But that sector of the market just didn't do anything. No, because staples, like that's a big piece of it. Mm-hmm. That got hammered for the entire year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's very interesting to me that the diversified investor, again, underperformed most of the indexes because the indexes are not particularly diversified. Right. Right. They're very concentrated in tech these days. So uh, what I would suggest to you as investors is if you are particularly concerned about the markets or the economy, consider that indexing, which has been really fabulous for a long time, has you've seen indexes become more concentrated in certain sectors, primarily tech. Mm-hmm. And it's the nature of the way these indexes are built, and it's the fact that the largest 10 or so stocks have gotten so much disproportionately larger than everything else. Right. So we'll, I'm really curious how history will view 
indexes on a forward-looking basis because those concentration risks have continued to escalate in cap-weighted indexes. That's, yeah. You know, uh, it's probably a subject for another time. We really don't have time to go into it further on today's show just because, you know, we're up against the clock. But do consider that not all indexes are the same. Cap-weighted indexes can be heavily concentrated. And there are such things yeah. as indexes that are more equal-weighted. Yep. Yeah. Uh, a lot of your subsectors right now mm -hmm. are similarly concentrated. You know, half their yeah. weighting may be in three, four, five stocks. Right. So um, diversification, like one of my tips to all of you would be look at the holdings if they are mutual funds or ETFs and see how much concentration risk you have inside of those investments and see how much overlap you have where maybe they buy the same stuff as other mutual funds that you have, in which case you may not be as diversified as you think you are because of that overlap. Right. And as always, if someone wants a free look at yep. what they're doing, we'll help with that. Yep. You can always give us a call, 541-375-0898. If you just, uh, we have great tools. And we, we complained about how much we spent on software. Let us put it to work for you. There you go. All right. I like the plug. Okay. Well, with that, the music is playing, so I guess we are out of time for now. So we will put this first show of 2024 in the books. So thanks, as always, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you can reach us at... 541-375-0898. All right. This has been True Wealth, signing off.